All right, Ada. Thanks for coming. Yeah. And we're going to have another interviewer here. Where this is Ruby. My niece Ruby is going to be with us. Okay. So, Ada, before every episode, the guest gets to dedicate it. So, what would you like to dedicate this episode for, to, or what? Well, I would like to dedicate this episode to a short film I've started producing. Yeah. Um, the short film I have um, thinking of right now is called Kindred Love. It's an LGBTQ plus film, and yeah. it also has um, women and girl leads. Um, so I've been sitting on the story for like a while now. Yeah. And um, so you want to dedicate it to the project mm -hmm. and all the people working for it. Yes. yes. Nice. All right. So we're back on with Ada Brochar. How is this? How do you say it? Brochar. Brochar? Mm -hmm. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Do you know if it's, because I'm sorry, I always talk with my guests with names, because I like names. <laughs> it, what, what ethnicity is it? Is it German? Okay. So our family doesn't know our history, like at all. Really? That's <laughs> even more intriguing. Like, how did you come with this? You don't really. Well, okay. So in my dad's office, we have books from like the 18th century and what? they're journals. And so my dad's dad, um, yeah. he read through them. And so we think we came from somewhere like France, but we were illiterate. So the name got like chopped up. up. Yeah. That, which usually happens because mm -hmm. my name got chopped up mm -hmm. when our family came from a yeah. Came to America and they're like, they just compact it. So it's like, all right, this is your name now. So yeah. that's probably what happened to your name. Probably mm -hmm. got chopped up and sent off, right? Oh, yeah. Do you, are you going to do the DNA testing? You ever no. going to think about it? No. no not, you're not going to do the DNA ancestry thing? No, we think we're French. Um, but, but also, like, from the books, um, there was an account of possibly um, there might have been a Native American marriage in there somewhere. So, so. you don't want to do the ancestry thing? Find out who, what kind of how much DNA thing. It's never really bothered me. All right, maybe when you get older, you're probably, probably more interested. But yeah, so but you're here because you mm -hmm. made a movie we talked about in the intro. Yes, Kindred Love. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you want to get started, um, and people are you're on a campaign to raise funds for the movie. Yes, right? I am. So people, there is an Indiegogo page about it, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, okay, you want to talk a little bit about it before we continue on? Oh uh, yes. All right. So um, I have a page. It's called um, like short film, short film colon. Kindred Love on Indiegogo. Okay. And right there, I have a goal of $750. Um, my goals towards that is just because this is going to be more of a period piece. Um, oh, really? And so we're going to... Not like a current thing. Um, it flips in between. Nice. All right. And so it's going to require some more begging of some, some antiques, but it's not too many, actually. Like, I've limited it um, yeah. for this purpose of... <laughs> All that. So yeah, on um, Indiegogo, there's, um, you can donate through their credit card. Right. I love that. Stuff. I did that for my book, Indiegogo. Mm. And I think it's, I'm a little bit biased, but I prefer that than rather than Kickstarter. Mm. Because it, you know, it Kickstarter is like how many people visited and mm -hmm. then we can donate. At least Indiegogo, at least it's not a barometer. Yeah. yeah. A little more user friendly, mm -hmm. I would imagine. So, so 
how long to the what's the deadline for the Indiegogo campaign? Do we know? Uh, sixty days. Um, I'm pretty uh, relaxed about it. Um, okay. Just because. Um, well, because I'm not planning on shooting until like August or something. Okay. And so um, a lot of the work I'm doing right now is just pre-productions, planning, um, meeting with people. Yeah. And so. Sometimes it takes longer than I should do in filming the movie, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. So did you write this? Yes, I did. By yourself? Mm-hmm. But I had a lot of people um, read it and give it Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, we encourage, like I had a couple of guests on, including myself, we're doing my book. You know, even if you write, get other feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially even if is this going to be a short film or a full oh, feature, short film. Short film. So even if it's a short film, you want to make sure mm-hmm. everything's correct because it's, you know, one little mistake blossoms because it's not a very long film, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long did it take you to write it? Um, I would say, so I wrote this on my spring break and I don't know why it just popped into my head. I'm like, oh, I need, I need to write this. So, um, you usually find that with more creative people. It just has to get out, right? Yeah. yeah. And, um, it took me, I think I wrote a couple of pages per night. So like it took me like three nights and then I went through and did revisions and then I sent them to other people. And right now there's still going to be revisions. I know for technicality reasons. Yeah. Um, well, I think yeah. you're a young kid. You're going to find out that eventually it's not about writing. It's all about the rewriting. Mm-hmm, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I'm. St- it's like on my official yeah. doc, it says revision three. It's like revision five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, you want to ever did outlines or you just poured it out? I poured it out. I find if I do outlines, it just doesn't. Too structured? Yeah. Too much, too much of a structure mm-hmm. and just fill into the gaps. I, I agree. Kind yeah. of, I'm kind of your camp and just, mm-hmm. so what I did, I was just wrote it all out a notebook. And yeah. And then I transferred on screen, you know, a script to what I wanted. But mm-hmm. I think you and I are kind of the same. We just spill it all out and then we'll figure it out from there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you find it um, when you're writing? Did you, what kind of, can you write, are you kind of the person that can write in anywhere or do you need like your own little sanctuary like spot? Or can you just be like um, a person to go out in a park and just write the greatest script ever? Or? I would say I probably write best alone or in a coffee shop. Because coffee shops, okay. I have a vibe of you get work done. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's it's actually, I have heard a lot of people love that because it's yeah. commerce happening, people, right? Mm-hmm. And you get to watch people a little bit and how they interact and you get ideas for yeah. what your characters are doing. Yeah, um, I have scenes in this that take place in a park and so sometimes i'd go like sit on a swing and just sit there and like swing for a bit and just the vibes around kind of like help let me think that's nice yes that's Mm -hmm. that's, it seems so simple now but yeah you haven't seen the park why don't you just go there yeah and get a mentor into it yeah do you have a question room not yet not yet (laughs) hasn't taken a while yet so your per it looks like you'd be able to go around. You don't need like a certain environment like me. I need to shut off the world and just come and you know nobody exists except for the the world that I'm writing. But it seems that you're able to do it in any setting. That's nice. That's like that. Did you do index cards when you wrote, or did you just kind of just spill it out? Yeah, I just spilled it out. <laughs> nice. All right. I'm not very yeah. organized until I need to be. Like I'm very <laughs> I'm very organized about I only certain laugh because things. it's this sounds so familiar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, you can see in my studio, you're right. I'm gonna spill it over. Yeah. yeah. I'm very organized about certain things and in a type of way, but yeah. some things I just can't have them. It just it, just, yeah. it doesn't happen. Yeah. So um we'll get to the because they yeah. Kinder Love movie, but what was what what inspired you to do a movie? 
It's a simple question, but it's, sometimes it takes a little thinking. But mm-hmm. did you always want to do a movie, or is this something new for you? Well, um, as an actor, I've done theater and I've done film and stuff. Okay, so you've already done that. Okay. Yeah, so I've gotten um, a flavor of what each one's like, and I think that I act because I love and love and love storytelling. Yeah. And I think that's why I wanted to do a short is because shorts are concise. They get to the point, but they can be entertaining and stuff. Yeah. And um, rather than a theater where you have to like get a venue and all this stuff, you can make it more available. Yeah. And you can just put it out there. And I don't know. I just, something about filmmaking can be quite magical. Did you always want to do something behind the camera instead of just being in front of it this is something that you always led up to or this is something like just oh, kind of branched out? i've always wanted to do it um okay. i would say i'm duly interested in both oh yeah okay yeah and, and in kindred are you acting in this movie no no so you're just doing all the directing mm-hmm. and writing and stuff yeah i go okay. to an art school so i know how it goes when you try to direct and act it doesn't work that well not necessarily no some people can't do it right yeah yeah so you're you're and then did you already do the casting for this no i have not okay um i have um interest and i have some ideas of who like might fit these roles because i wrote the character with them in mind sure yeah i think it, you ground it right mm-hmm. sure and so um i think i'll probably hold an open call for certain characters at some point but right now we're not looking at that <laughs> okay I, 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 yeah i appreciate your aspirations because as such a young kid and you're already making movies this is this is really something that i think it's hard for kids to think that you can have the opportunity to even do this right mm-hmm. i think a lot of kids are like i wait i have to wait till i'm a grown-up to do this well no not necessarily you can do this now if you want to mm-hmm. right yeah so outside what are you doing for art school is this what you're doing in art school or are you doing no. other no so i go to the saint paul conservatory for the performing artists or spcpa yeah we're in um downtown saint paul by the excel center and trademark center i think i remember right yeah, yeah. Uh, or landmark it's one of those i get the names confused anyway um i that's a theater i go there for theater track so i do acting and stuff there except they forced me to do musical theater until i'm a junior um i don't like that (laughs) you don't like musical (laughs) i I mean you like musicals you just don't like you don't have the right i I did a camp once for that and i was like nope that's enough (laughs) doing it again so this is on my own time yeah and um i would say uh yeah, so our school, it trains you how to be an actor and stuff, but also they have strong encouragement to go out and do professional stuff. And so um, they let you, they just have encouragement for it. Like they have forms you can fill out. So if you nice. need to leave for a few days to go do a professional performance, nice. they let you go. And it it's just built in like that. Nice. So, yeah. Is this something you always felt you need, wanted to do? Like even when you were little? No. No, this is something that came on? I've been um, only doing this for about a year and a half. Okay. Uh, I used to do competitive English horseback riding. Shut up, really? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Really? And um, that's probably actually what gave me um, the willingness to do something like this, because it's hard. This is going to be, this is hard for me. Yeah, yeah. And when I did English horseback riding, it's a very expensive sport. And in order to move up in the levels and get right. more competitive, you need to like 
do these certain things and we didn't have the money for it. So in order in order to make that money, there's a job you can do. It's called it's like braiding horses for horse shows and you braid at like midnight. Oh, so so you prep them it's almost like you prep them, make them look nice before the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And you need to have ridiculously strong hands and you need to be able to deal with a horse that might be, you know, having a stubborn. moment. Yeah. Being stubborn or, <laughs> or yeah. scared or freaking out or something's happened. You yeah, need yeah. to be able to handle yourself. And so just building up to something like that has made me realize that, you know, if you just work towards something yeah. and you just ask people like it can pay off it works and yeah. so <laughs> i applaud you because that's that's tough because when you work with uh, you you don't know what the situation is right yeah you go into something like a horse and you're like i don't know you know it's almost like you have to work out your anxiety because it's almost anticipation you're running all the bad scenarios before anything would happen right well uh, i did this for like five years before i started breeding so i've already okay. been able to read horses so it was like oh i see you thinking about that don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny, right? Yeah. But do you do you still have a fondness for horses? Do you still kind of like go to shows and stuff? Um, I still have a fondness for them. I've stopped doing that because the arts and theater and stuff takes up more time. Sure, yeah. And now I can dedicate more resources to that. But um, sometimes I'll go out to my uh, old friend's horse shows and like yeah, watch them compete. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So... Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. What, what, what started with horses? I was like seven. Yeah. And I was in the car and I told my parents, I want to ride a horse. <laughs> now, if my mom would been just there, she would have never done it. But my dad was like, okay. And really? we just picked, he just picked a barn from Google. And um, they were really awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> So even from like seven, you were introduced. To, did, were you able to, are you comfortable riding? No, oh, yeah. So at seven, um, the barn that I rode at, they were specifically a school horse. Gotcha. And so okay. they spe- they specifically taught you how to ride and how to safely ride and all of these things. And so they took it step by step, but at the same time, like, yeah. they taught you, you control yourself. Like, they can't help you after a certain point. <laughs> Have you seen the movie The Rider? No, I haven't. Oh, you would love it. It came out about 2017. And it's about somebody who rides... Um, the rodeo mm. and but he actually really did hurt, get hurt it's fictionalized in the movie but he really did get hurt injured in a rodeo he ride a bull and it stamped on his head so he crushed him so he's done and so it's part-time he trains horses mm. it's all about him communicating with horses how to how to communicate and stuff he rides them and so he doesn't you know if you have to have a gun and shoot it well how do you make a spook the, so he has to practice all the time shooting a gun and you know, make sure the horse is not going to explode. It's just my gun. Here it is, and all that stuff. So the whole movie is this wonderful portrayal of how you interact with a variety of mm-hmm. horses, and, and that's your job, mm-hmm. right? And how to, sometimes, even though you think it's all settled, you figured it out. Nope, nope, because they're they're not robots, right? Yeah. Well, they're prey animals, and yeah. so a plastic bag might be the most terrifying thing in the world. Yeah. 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 I think you would really like that movie. It's called The Writer. It was an independent film that came out like two years ago. You would love it, especially with me and been around horses and stuff. Yeah. So you still around that environment? You still watch horses? Um, Sometimes. I just went out to a horse show in May and I really enjoyed hanging out there for a little bit. Um, yeah. It's just hard because they're farther away 
and they have to go be in uptown minneapolis to do like theater and stuff and Does so it seem like a little weird being kind of like outside looking in sometimes yeah because <laughs> i was wearing leggings at the show <laughs> and everyone there was either wearing yeah. jeans or like these specialized like show pants you wear sure. for riding yeah and so i got some weird looks <laughs> it was <laughs> it's like i promise I kind of still know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the build-up from your background mm-hmm. gives you more than enough credentials to manage your own movie. I think that gives you enough confidence because you're able to know how to manage, right, and environment, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Is this Kendrick Love the first time you're going to be directing? Uh, Officially, yes. Okay. But, okay, so I'm assistant directing a friend show this summer, Our Culture. Nice. And so really looking forward to that. And then as I go to an art school, they make us do a lot of stuff where they give us these requirements and then you have 20 minutes to go make a piece. Yeah. And so it's this idea of like, sometimes you get assigned a director, but most of the times it's just kind of work together as a team. And depending on your combo, it more or less works. So, yeah. I mean, I have that aspect in mind basically where you need to put this thing together or you have to like make this piece with really strict requirements and like make it work i think a lot of people especially creative people don't like restraints but that's when it's you start shining right because you figure out your limitations of what you can do you got to get creative yeah you got to get creative with the limitations and all this Mm -hmm. stuff yeah um so you're going to be directing this movie you've written it Mm-hmm. Um, and primarily, did you have anybody else yet you know about that's going to be working with you? So right now, um, I'm a bit solo, but I am going to go meet with um, at least one other producer, movie maker right now this yeah. week. And then there might be another potential one. So that's why I was asking, because mm-hmm. it looks like you already work in groups and doing compilations mm-hmm. and I think you understand that movies are a solo project yeah. it's a whole yeah. crew of people working together right, right now I'm in the mix of um, getting together people yeah. who'd be interested in stuff do you like that process of finding people do you yes. Like that? yes and no <laughs> um, uh, so it's hard right I think it's hard yes and no Um, I just uh, it's I get anxiety from it because yeah. I'm like, because if they take a while to respond, because I'm a very fast responder. Yeah, I just figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah, I, figured, yeah. I like things to move and be like, it's okay if it's slightly unpredictable, but for stuff like this, yeah. I want to be more sure about stuff. Yeah. And so I get anxiety <laughs> from going out and trying to get people to do it. Um, because even if they have interest, I still get anxiety if they take like a day to respond. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I find them all, we have a lot more common creatively with this because I yeah. know I'm something like, all right, let's do this project. And it's like, well, give me time. And it's like, I haven't heard you for a week. What's going on? You know, like, so I build up all these scenarios of I mm-hmm. don't want to do this or something like that or something wrong. But yes, I like it, it's not immediate, but I like to get things efficiently done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than just wait. And for a project like this, I want to make those shoot days as efficient as possible. So it's going to be meeting a meeting more pre-production meetings. So we, when we get to set, we know what we're doing and stuff. And so for something like this in a project that I want it to turn out, I want it to be planned. And so that's why I'm also getting some anxiety yeah. is because like, I want this, when the days come, I want to make it efficient. I want to make it just clean. And so right. 
And I think when interviewing a lot of other independent filmmakers, it's like you can plan everything to a T and something will go wrong. Yes. It's just just the nature of it. As it always goes. And especially doing this podcast, I checked all these mics last night and they were fine. And I come today, and I gotta do adjust things. Yeah, it's just it's just a weird thing about it. Like you can have everything set up perfectly, and then okay, don't have to worry about it. The next thing is like, what happened? I, we've had this all fine. Yeah, I just, um, in my opinion, I think it's better for something like to go wrong after you've had planning than to have less planning and then something to go wrong. Over the night, yeah. yeah. We, we had my guest, Andrew Hunt, and he teaches a film class, and it's, mm-hmm. it's all about preparation, mm-hmm. right? He's like, we'll set up for a, a, a scene, and a really good cinematographer knows, okay, he asked specifically for this, but just in case, I'll set up for another different thing, yeah. even though he didn't ask for it. And he goes, those are, those are what we need because that saves money because if I do something that didn't work, let's set up this way. Well, mm-hmm. that takes time. And then people sitting in on their phones and all that stuff. But if you, if you have somebody that you know what they're doing and knows how to prep, it saves time. And I think mm-hmm. that's what you're worried about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, being efficient. Yeah. So do you do photography? Um, no, not really. So that's why I'm also looking for like cinematographers and stuff because yeah. I can operate a camera on a basic extent, yeah. um, especially cinema. I've taken a class at Film North and stuff, but yeah. not a professional at all. Okay. <laughs> so if somebody would be interested in working the project, did just email you, contact you? Yes, yeah. I am still pulling together crew, and so I'd be interested in gaffers. Um, sound um, people who can do sound like booms and lavaliers also cinematographers and camera operators so if anybody's interested out yes. there would they we could contact you like through the email should we mm-hmm. put that up yes okay um i listed a few emails here yeah um, i have we'll definitely put that in the, in the meta yeah, yeah, if yeah. anybody's interested and mm-hmm. want to contact you we'll put you the email yes. so they can reach you yeah mm-hmm. nice nice so um prior to the horse and everything what was your interest in movies? Did you always like movies? Or this is a new phenomenon just like acting? I was neutral. Really? Yeah. It just wasn't, it's just kind of like, I'll go see it, but not really, yeah. Completely neutral. <laughs> well, what is it now? Do you like movies now? Oh, yeah, I like them. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm not... I'm, not sometimes a huge fun, uh, fan of the super high budget films. Yeah. Because they're just, this is going to sound really strange, but when I go see theater and films and stuff, I almost like a slightly less perfect look to things. Okay. And that's when you get in certain movies where it's been color graded to utter perfection and it's like each shot is perfect and stuff. It's like overproduced. It's overproduced. And yeah. sometimes I just like seeing something where I know they had to think creatively and I enjoy that so much especially for independent films it seems mm-hmm. a little personal right mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like overproduced like producers had their hands in everything and and special effects but when you do an independent film you get a sense it's almost like an autobiography i talked about that on my my guests on be the geek uh, podcast with mm-hmm. my friends it's like that's why i like independent films because it does seem almost that you know the person after you see the movie rather than just a big blockbuster popcorn yeah. flick yeah yeah, and I think that's what you kind of relate to. It seems a little more personal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Do you read books? Oh, yes. Really? That's yeah. the second? Yeah, okay. Um, Do you have a favorite right now? Oh, don't ask me. My, I don't, <laughs> I don't <laughs> know my favorite books. Um, I yeah. would say I read a lot of books that deal with, um, I don't know, I get bored by a lot of 
book types it's hard to describe they're like movies there's just something sometimes yeah. i just get bored and i don't know why it's over action sometimes i like i like books that deal with a new perspective got it yeah something that you never something fresh like you not something that's not part of your environment something new like that yes I mean, the only thing i was going to build up because i was going to ask you if you see a movie would you is because of the book or, or are you somebody that's read the book and go see the movie or vice versa because personally i'm a, like a, a movie guy and if i really like it maybe i'll read the book but a lot of people just read the book and then they'll go see the movie so i don't want to pigeonhole but what kind of would would you read the book first and see the movie it's pretty random. Okay. If the movie looks good, I'll go see the movie. <laughs> right. Um, right. And then if I like the movie, then maybe I'll read the book. It just yeah. depends. And if I've already read the book, then I'll, you might go, I'll probably see the movie unless it looks like they did an iffy job of justifying the book. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I'm an abs- I don't, I'm not an absolute like a, like the movie I'm going to see mm-hmm. because I've already read Dr. Sleep, the Stephen King and I mean, the movie's coming out. So it's, I'm kind of a hypocrite. I, yeah. Sometimes I do read the book and then like I anticipate the movie. Mm. Do you read scary books? I went through that phase in like sixth grade and now I'm like <laughs> totally jaded to yeah. all creepy books. I'm like, yeah. if they if I actually get creeped out, I'm like, wow, yeah. yes. Yeah. But it, yeah, I've been, I've gotten immune to that. I'm like, eh. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a little break yeah. and we'll be back with um, more with Ada and all this fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you read books? Do you live by small bodies of water surrounded by trees and other wildlife? Is that geese shit? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you have found a home here at the Brook Reading Podcast. Each week, I read a book while nestled in my small New Jersey apartment and gaze out the window at a brook. Then I jump online, talk about it, ask for your opinions, and bitch about something for approximately five minutes. If you would like to join this madness, check out the Brook Reading Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or on the Radio Public app. Let's step into some animal feces together. All right, we're back with Ada. Um, is there, so, with movies, mm-hmm. are you able to watch movies? I mean, you know, you sit down and watch them. Do you ever go out? You know. Uh yes. So, I go out and watch movies occasionally if they're good. I'm yeah. not sometimes into the super actiony ones because they just kind of start running together. Um, I really enjoy watching certain TV shows because they're shorter. Well, sometimes TV shows they have a better bug production in a movie right they actually look like movies yeah oh yeah yeah totally um i would say probably the tv show that intrigues me the most is it's all tv shows have some problems in it but i would say um the magicians have some good episodes out there yeah and when i watch it i love watching their um just compositions to the shots and stuff yeah like they're super creative because magicians has some weird stuff in it because it's they can jump worlds and so i'd like i'd watch them as they like 
tilt the camera or like they'd like slant shots or they'd like yeah. make it dreamy and it's like oh. well one of the first filmmakers and if you take film history mm-hmm. are magicians who tried these magic tricks and they already mm-hmm. knew how to give the illusion of far away and all this stuff yeah. so, or how things disappear so one of the, the original film, filmmakers like George Millet were magicians and a kind of this emergence of filmmaking and magic right the kind of the illusion that this is happening is kind yeah. of the same kind of the world right yeah, yeah. there's a great movie called The Prestige you gotta see that movie have you mm-hmm. seen it uh, no you gotta see The Prestige if you love the construct of a great story okay with um, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale being rival magicians mm. and it's almost like riving actors one is gonna try to outdo the other <laughs> but it, they have a different camp mm-hmm. in the movie one is really good at creating magic one is really good at presenting so some mm, one of them has yeah. a dominant skill and the other Together, they would have been great, but they can't. They're just so locked in as rivals. And it turns out to be a great ending to it. I think you should check. That's another. I'm just here to provide yeah. movies for it. Yeah. 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 So just proceed. You got a good movie for me to watch? You got a favorite in mind? I really like... Um, I Okay. <laughs> this is like an old classic. You think I'm like, okay. I really like Coraline because it's so weird. Ruby, yeah, you mentioned Coraline. Oh yes, that is one of when I was little. I wanted to watch that movie, and I watched it, and I was like terrified. I was like, "That's it, no horror movies. I'm done. I'm out." It's supposed to be kid friendly, right? But there's certain tones to that kind of. It gets kind of. It gets creepy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So you guys must have seen it at the same time, and like, because it's it's, what it's like stop motion. Yeah. Yeah. It was like when the mom like turned into a spider. Heard her, I was like, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> I know they made it about nightmares because it's like it's almost like a like a nightmare in the other world. And I'm like, okay, well, it could be kid friendly, but they made it weird like a nightmare. And so yeah. those get it was just the nice level of weird <laughs> made it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Tim Burton movies are just it's whimsical and yeah. weird at the same time. He's, he yeah. does that with all his movies. It's wonderful creepy and cringy almost at the same time mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't want to be in his brain i like his movies i don't think i want to hang out with him right yeah yeah, yeah. so do you other than caroline do you have any other ones that you liked I, as a kid or you just discovered i really actually like the remake of aladdin oh that's the new one that's the new one okay they had some awesome music and some awesome dances and i loved the colors of the movie they're also vibrant and like just full of life and they like it was so i just love looking at colors by the way i can spend forever like like coloring like recoloring an image or like like editing it and whatever just to mess with it because i just love colors that was when when, i'm like if you want to go back to the comic books but in the 70s early 70s and 60s that was thor's comic book was this super psychedelic Mm -hmm cosmic world of just colors they just like any color that you can think of we're gonna put it in there <laughs> and look at like a rainbow fight battle where mm-hmm. in the thor comic books and they brought that of course in the thor ragnarok but yeah it's kind of you want to do that with your movie play around a little bit with color palettes and stuff um yeah so i have an idea i've been having ideas of color palettes for this okay like as it switches between present and past um, I only have one location though for the past and it's like a park and I'm thinking like because it's green obviously but greens and pinks and stuff right yeah as it's like super like joyful and it's like it's highlighting something and then in the modern this is 
it's not gray or dull or like it's just going to be a little sharper right that's almost like a cliche people like it's flashback they want to like it's old photograph like it's yeah that's the modern yeah you want to flip it nice yeah not well it's just because it's just showing um her flashback is something happy to her and so there's it wouldn't and it i wouldn't want it like super dreamy but it's just like something happier and then in the modern it's just more grounded more what you'd see normally so it's just sharper and what you'd expect more i've been holding on because i I don't know if you want to answer or not but do you want to give a little bit of what the synopsis is what yes, the story is I because i i don't know some because sometimes if you haven't started yet so people are kind of hesitant but if you want to just give it a little taste of mm-hmm. what the movie's all about yes so as we're still in um we're still in the early stages so some of this may change yeah but what i have right now is kindred love is a short film and it's lgbtq and women inclusive so what it is is you start out in present day time and you have this woman who she's and originally in the script it said city but now it might be changed to school um, always, always the rewrites right? yeah i mean right <laughs> yeah um but anyway she has she's picking up a child right yeah. and i'm just going to go with the most recent update i've made to the script <laughs> <laughs> and she um, picks up a child and this happens at my high school because you know we're an art school we'll have a group of teenagers all in pride colors because we're going to go to the capitol and go see uh we're going to go join pride right and so we're just hanging yeah. out for a bit right yes and so what happens is she has she picks up the child and then there's just a group of teenagers just chilling waiting for a ride and they're all wearing pride colors right and they got the necklaces you know got the flags you know and what this causes her to think back is she thinks back to the 1950s and this entire part will take place in probably one place to keep it um it's like a science thing almost to keep it sure right to get okay i get it uh, get out the noise of other locations yeah. and what she does is she flashes back to her childhood and specifically her childhood friend mary yeah and you see her as a 10 year old and then you'll see her as a 17 year old and you see this friendship build with mary and what happens when she's 17 and she kind of pushes a joke a little too far and it may have not been a joke okay and this makes mary a little freaked out um and that's where it kind of builds around that's that memory yeah and what the woman in modern times slash her name is sam right now in the um childhood she may or may not have liked or loved Mary. And so what these flags kind of make her think to is like something it's this, this film really intrigues me because people say that LGBTQ plus is new. It's not new. <laughs> right, it's not yeah. new at all. No, right. And this is this flashback is showing that we don't know what happens to Mary after that. It's, I don't think it was important to show it. It's just this idea that it's not new. And now that in modern times, we have more freedom to show it and to talk about it. Yes, you definitely do. And we still have a ways to go. But it's just this, those, those flags make her think of like, this is a different time. And so, um, no, I yeah. I agree because a, a kid your age doing a movie like this mm-hmm. twenty years ago would have been almost impossible. Yeah, and but now you have 
wonderful avenues mm-hmm. that you can able to do this and really not have a much of resistance and, and people's shock value is kind of worn off a little bit where 20 years ago they would be like what do you do right yeah like a high school kid doing a movie like this i like the presentation of providing that this is we're in the moderns but this is nothing new people right yeah. this has been going on since day one right yeah, yeah. yes wonderful well that's the whole basis that's the basis yeah when you wrote, did you have names in mind or did you come up with names? Because I like to, when I talk about writers, yeah. sometimes with characters, names is important. So did you kind of pick a traditional name like Mary to kind of like traditional, like old? Oh, yes. Mary is an older name, but also right. um, it kind of fits kind of how I have her set up is um, I yeah. have her reading books. Um, I found an old antique, like, puzzle toy and so i'm thinking about having her like taking it apart and stuff it's almost like a rubik's cube but it's like wood and so it's like, like it's that. really cool <laughs> yeah right i like it yeah. and so she's always thinking right and yeah. i think mary kind of has i don't know i've met a lot of marys who are very like that they, they're very like thinking and like they want to find out the truth and stuff very visceral very yeah like yeah, that yeah i like that and then i like sam just because it's a gender neutral name well, we've talked about, gosh, I'm bringing up Andrew Hunt again. We talked yeah. about, because you can characters' names, and we talked about, like, Sam is a great, because it goes all spectrums, right? Yeah. And Sam, it, can, it could be a soft name, yeah. somebody on Ninth Warm, or it can be a tough, brooding name. Yeah. Also. So, yeah, especially when you're writing, you have to think about characters and what they, names, and mm-hmm. what that brings to the name, right? The name brings a little bit of baggage and, like, a little more definition, mm-hmm. right? Instead of saying this older woman, now that you have Mary, we get an understanding of what people in mind their brains are working okay a mary is always something like this or something like that yeah mm-hmm. so it's 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 a it's a challenge i think for writers names are very important yes yeah <laughs> yeah especially when you, you have, do like last names or no no so mm-hmm. um in the short scripts like this i make a decision if um, I only have two characters named throughout this. It's Sam and Mary, except you might see younger Sam sure. and stuff. And I, in the script, I actually did not name the older woman who is Sam. I didn't name her Sam because um, there's a level, I don't know, it's like this is something like subconscious you'd get as you read, but I don't want you to connect all the dots as you're reading it, but there is ways to do it. So there's a prop that will be carried between times yeah. and that's how you'll figure out who is who is um you'll you'll quickly figure it out just by you know, we all types. need literary devices i think we all know about Chekhov's gun right yeah 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 <laughs> um but there's going to be like a necklace or like a brooch or something that's a gift and yeah. it's going to carry between times but that was a little off topic but i don't know if somehow it made sense in my head <laughs> but i think the writers is there something that you notice that's in there subconsciously like wow that i didn't know i put that in there does this does it pop in there once in a while yes okay so i've been told i actually am pretty good at like poetry and i've noticed when i write there's a sense of an overall feel and it's what it is I bring back themes subconsciously is what i do and it's like they might be really subtle yeah but I like to flip themes and invert them. And so like, that's why this film is like one, you know, one giant theme and there's a bunch of little ones. And so I changed something in the script. And when I changed it, I realized it's an inverted throwback to something that happens earlier. And okay. so yeah, like deja vu happens a lot through the film. Yeah. Like and a loop? I, yeah. 
and I'm okay with that because it's a memory. Yeah. I just that's a subconscious thing. I for some reason bring back themes <laughs> all the time. Well, I think people it's a hard time, especially with writers, they misconstrue with tone and theme. They're two yeah. different things. Something can have a dark theme, yeah. but really have an up tone to it. Oh, yeah. Something can have a really dark tone, but have a cheerful theme to it. So it's a, it's a you have to pay attention. Sometimes audiences, audiences and readers might misinterpret that this theme is a little bit dark, but the tone is kind of... Well, right. yeah. Actually, I would say the tone is a little anxious at first. And I did... Yeah. And I realize that later but i kept it in is what happens is i think some people may feel a little anxious when they first see the pride group and then it flips to the 1950s because you know history of the lgbt community and um thoughts at that time towards it right yeah and so and also just seeing pride flags does make people uncomfortable oh, triggered oh yeah it yeah. can make people uncomfortable yeah. and that's yeah. okay so I had to think if I wanted to introduce the pride group first or like after. And I realized if I do it first, yes, it might give away the film a little bit, but also it's still not, we still have a long way to go yeah. with the community. And I myself am right. bisexual. Yeah. So I think it's okay to feel a little anxious about it yeah especially well especially like a project like any project mm -hmm. right it's a little more anxious and if of course if you weren't anxious then what's the point of doing something oh, right yeah. a little more anxiety yeah. is kind of healthy right mm -hmm. yeah so are you going to continue doing that it's hard to think afterwards because you're still a mess with the project but yeah. you, is this something you would like to continue on to do um well, we'll probably see at the end of this film. <laughs> yeah. if, um, it's kind of like asking somebody if they're pregnant. Are you ever going to have kids again? Yeah. Right. If you're making something and... Right. Yeah. Um, well, I know for... Yeah, okay. When I get bored, that's when my mind will go do something. And you're like, I guess we're doing it now. <laughs> okay. And so maybe not for a year or so. But after yeah. that, there's going to be a moment when I'm like, let's produce something. Right. Um, I'm really fascinated by the human experience and human connection and stuff, uh, especially the way we perceive relationships between people. And I think that's really fascinating and that's one of the themes of the film is you get to analyze the relationship between Mary and Sam. Yeah. Cause there I've built in a lot of like dynamic stuff, but it also shows like this like this like warm strength to it. And I just, I don't know. I think it's so fascinating to just watch people interact, which is kind of creepy, but. <laughs> well, it's healthy as a writer. Yeah. It is healthy as a writer. Cause you, mm -hmm. you know, people think you just lock yourself in a room like me and you just crank out, but you have to immerse yourself in society mm -hmm. to know, you know, how to things. And I think that is healthy as a writer, rather just isolate you, immerse yourself in people, right? Mm -hmm. Going out and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you think you're more of a writer? Than a filmmaker, or are you kind of no. both? Or I like writing, yeah. But at the same time, when I get motivated to do it and carry it through, eh, that's rare. This this script is quite rare. <laughs> right, it is. Okay, yeah. that's why I like when I I prefer actually write in verse because it's less effort. I'm <laughs> I'm a lazy person, and so all I, creative people yeah. are extremely lazy. Even Mozart was extremely lazy. <laughs> yeah. 
So, but sometimes laziness, you get something cool out of it. <laughs> right, yeah. So you're like. Well, Steve Jobs says, I would like to hire the laziest person because he'll figure out the shortest way to get things done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I relate to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know yeah. that's that's my two modes. I'm either like, let's do this. We're going to get it done. We're going to do it all. Or I'm like, eh. well, it's hard. You know, and the other thing is hard is because I have so many other hats and stuff. I do mm-hmm. a podcast. I'm also do the comic book. It's hard to just immediately jump into the next thing, right? I do yeah. this podcast. Well, people just think, all right, you're done. You can just jump back into the book. It's hard because it's yeah. like, where do we go? What's my tempo? I got to get back into a mm-hmm. rhythm. And you can't just jump into it. In fact, it looks bad when you just jump into it. So yes. it's not really necessarily I regard it as lazy, but it's trying to jump into the next project takes a little bit of a steps rather than to just, yeah. 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 I feel like I might be a little burned out after doing everything, but I think it's a battery that's going to refill. I, I And this is just my opinion, but I think you probably want somebody to, else to edit the movie oh yeah yeah, yeah. Do you think about I, that? i'm basic i can do basic editing no yes i'm yeah. definitely on the look for editors because one i don't trust myself at all okay <laughs> like like i can do basic stuff and i can i can make some decisions but also like technicality wise well i think it's yeah. healthy too because it, it is a your hair your this is your writing your directing but you you want somebody else to view the it's like a puzzle you piece it so you want somebody else to piece it together oh yes yeah and when i um do lock down some uh creative other some other team members i want to have a meeting and i want to see what their ideas might be because right. um there are other creatives they're interested in this project and now i'm so used to like teamwork like i don't want all of this to be the me show like no no you you, you definitely want somebody that brings that character brings a little more of stuff into the character mm-hmm. rather than did what's on the paper right? yes yeah. definitely right yeah and also um i definitely when we get to um creating a storyboard and stuff um i'll have some i have some ideas in my head but i will want someone who's done this before and they might have some ideas that (laughs) um uh just because like as i've done so much theater that i'm so used to having a stationary view yeah yeah it's always interesting because you have when you're right you have a viewpoint right yeah and it's uh it's like fascinating to when you somebody does a storyboard you're like wow i didn't think about we could do it this way i never thought about that we let's do it that way there's so many details and i i can catch them but also i can't do script supervising ever because (laughs) i don't notice fine details so I don't either. That's why. I need other people. We're finding a lot of comedy. This is like, yeah, we just like, (laughs) this is, this is frightening, right? Yeah. Um, Before we go. Yes. Outside of writing everything, is there anything, other creative stuff do you do? Do you like to do music or anything else? I play the cello. Get out of here, really? Yes, I do. How can you, how how do you help? Can you carry it? Yeah. Wait, what? Oh, the big cello. Right. Well, yeah. Well, this if if you can stand up with it, it's a bass. <laughs> yeah, all right. I was like looking at your arm gesture. Are you looking at my bass? No, no. But okay, so you play the cello. Yes, that's uh, the one you sit down with. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can. I mean, that's a big thing. Can you haul that around? Yeah. It's it's not that heavy. I mean, it's hollow. It's just awkward to carry it, isn't it? I mean, you get used to it. Like you have a case for it, so you can roll it and put it on your back and look like a turtle, or. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. and if i was moving it long distances i would do it but if it's just like between like 
I used to do Minnesota Youth Symphonies, and so I'd be behind stage in orchestra hall getting ready to go on stage. And Did you they just, see you? What, yeah. I'm just trying to make it funny. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I'm, so I'm not a celloist. Yeah. But do you, how, do you still practice? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so, some days I'm like, let's practice for four hours. Other days I'm like, uh, <laughs> So you still play. I mean, it's just not something you completely abandoned. Right? No. Is there any other instruments you do? I played violin for two and a half years so I could learn it. Um, I can read all the clefs. So, um, and then here's with orchestral instruments. If you learn one, you can quickly learn the others. It's just viola. That one's so weird. It's so weird. Why is it so weird? Why? Because I don't know. Yeah. yeah, The cleft it's in is a fifth. um, It's it's almost like a fifth down, but not quite than a treble cleft. And so the way you read it, it's all flipped. Okay. And then they have it's like okay, I get it now. And then violins have an E string, but violas don't. They have a C string, so it's all moved down. And it's just like if you've played violin, your head will just switch to the wrong clef. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I'm just yeah. I'm a percussionist, so I don't know the strings and yeah. all the weird stuff. So percussion is pretty much simple. Just mm-hmm. keep it. Don't don't get out of step. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's nice. Eh? You, you, the cello. When did you start playing? I started playing it when I was in seventh grade. Okay. Um, right. But I took like lessons outside of it than school. So I was always like ahead. I was like, I'm dying. And when I was in orchestra, wait, orchestra class, and I'm like, yeah. oh gosh, guys, let's Could- just play something harder. <laughs> you got a bass player? You got a bass guitar? Um, so I am not in orchestra anymore, but we did right. have uh, bass people. Yeah. yeah. They're double basses or, you know, bass. Those are always the rare ones because they're like, Having one bass is like, yes. I know. Having two basses, oh, <laughs> this doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite music piece to play on the cello? Do you have one? Well, I would say the fan favorite, as always, is the Bach Cello Suite Prelude. Yeah. <sighs> After you hear that enough times, you're like, I'm done. <laughs> it's a very famous piece. I would say oh, my favorite. I just like certain chunks of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's the Henry Eccles Sonata, and in his Corante, he has a lot of really cool chords, and they're spicy, and they're like, ooh. I am writing this down, so, <laughs> so Alexa can play this when you're going. <laughs> right. It's the Henry Eccles Sonata. All right. And it's for cello. You gotta specify, otherwise you get like piano. Um, let's see. There's Vivaldi's sonata and e minor and you have all these right yeah so you just thought okay all right that's wonderful well ada yes it's been so much fun mm-hmm. having you on yeah i learned so much like i didn't think it was gonna learn a lot but it, <laughs> and now i think we're like we have so much in common creatively like a, <laughs> right? yeah. and what's the movie again uh kindred love kindred love and you're in pre-production and, yes you yeah. can find it on indiegogo i appreciate all donations greatly yeah. and then also if you're um if there's interest in crew or even cast um there'll be links and stuff to contact me so yeah. are you gonna be at the parade next week um i don't think so oh yeah i'll be gone next week really i'm in belize for girl scouts oh, wow. <laughs> i'm a little jealous <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Ada, um, thanks for coming on. And it's called Kinder yes. Love. And of course, if you haven't listened before, it's not over till the guest says it's over. Oh, okay. Um, well, thank you for listening. <laughs> and it's over. There we go. <laughs>
That's what we did.